Hello, Theologizers, and welcome to another week of discussing theology and uh, plumbing the depths of divine truth. I am Ben, and I'm here with my brother, as usual. I am ready to scuba dive into deep theology, Ben. Let's do it. All right. So today we thought we'd do something different and uh, have some guests on to chat instead of us. So I'll let Brett uh, introduce the conversation. So Theologizers, you are in for a real treat. We have a special episode for all of you out there. We were honored to have these two guests appear in a candid conversation. Me and Vin let the camera roll and the recorder roll, and what happened is just pure magic. Classic debates between one of our dear, dear friends. He's on the cutting edge of the church that is emerging from Portland, Oregon, and sweeping the nation like a storm. Hipsters everywhere are flocking. His name is, and I'm sure you all know him, Josiah Sky. And the other distinguished guest that we have for you theologizers is a man who's been preaching the hard truths for many a year. He has been thumping his Bible and has developed arthritis in his right arm for thumping so much. He is our dear, dear, dear conservative friend, Paul Driscoll MacArthur. So we're just going to let the recording speak for itself. Ben and I are going to throw it to this pre-recorded, fly-on-the-wall, absolute delightful, engaging conversation between Josiah and Paul. Enjoy. Well, hello. I'm Ben, and I'm here with uh, Josiah and Paul. And so I thought to get the conversation going, um, we'd start off with the topic of Scripture, um, so I'm just going to let uh, you two chat about it, have some rich uh, theological discussion. So, Paul, wh why don't you start the conversation, and then Josiah can respond as he, as the Spirit moves him. And uh, what are your thoughts about Scripture? Well, Ben, first of all, let me say I really enjoy that the millennials are using this new podcast method to really preach the gospel and get the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into the young ears out there. And Ben, I will say, even though I appreciate you wanting to get straight into the topic, I believe that introductions and credentials would be necessary first. So our listening audiences know what kind of deep, epic, theology, preaching, hard truth background we have before we start really telling you about the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, born again, amen. So my name is Paul Driscoll MacArthur. So I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist home in the deep, deep, deep woods of Mississippi. That's right. And I will say that the best day of my life, I was two minutes old out of the womb. My father was a hard-nosed preacher, and he made me get on my hands and knees next to my mama, who still, we still hadn't even cut the umbilical cord yet, but it stretched far enough. And I gave my life as a repentant sinner to the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that day forth, my life has not been the same. He took my little embryo fetus, 
from the tippy toes of the flames of hell burning my toenails, and I could feel it into the loving grace of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the rest of my life, I have been a perfect evangelist of the hard truth of the gospel for the last 40 years with my dear wife, Bertha. Bertha's been by my side forever. She's the rock behind the hard truth. So all you podcasters out there, that's me, Paul. Well, I'll send it over to my heretic comrade, Josiah Sky. Sky? Well, so before we do so, uh, sorry, I'm just interjecting. This is Ben here again. Uh, before we move on to Josiah's introduction, um, Mr. MacArthur, did you want to tell us a little bit about your educational background? Oh, certainly I would, Benjamin. Thank you for reminding me of that. Because that's a very important. I studied under some of the best, most conservative theologians in the United States of America. I went to good old Bethel Trinity uh, brick and mortar foundational third advent of the fourth coming of Jesus Christ University. Population 43. 43 hard nosers who are out there preaching, preaching loud all over this country, bringing the heathenistic ways of the United States to repentance. Anyway, so I hold a bachelor's at Bethel, brick and mortar, Trinitarian, forthcoming, five evangelistic Trinitarian University, in deep conservative, anti-philosophical theology. That's my bachelor's. My master's is in scripture that's it just scripture i bet you don't know anybody has a master's in scripture because it doesn't it's not even offered at any other university other than this this one i went to in mississippi and then i got my double doctorate in bible thumping and that's the focus was bible thumping my minor and my peripheral focus was burning heretics Obviously, it's a metaphor. It doesn't mean literally burning heretics. It just means burning them rhetorically. And I uh, believe that that's what I've been doing and using ever since. All right. There's my background. Well, thank you for that, Mr. McArthur. You're welcome, All right. So uh, let's throw it over to you now, Josiah Sky. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about your background, about... Um, how you came to the faith that you hold today. Yeah, yeah, well, thanks. Thanks, Ben. Shalom. So uh, it's it's great to be with you, first of all. Um, like I said, uh, shalom to, to you, shalom to Mr. MacArthur here. So We'll see about that. Grace and peace, brother. Grace and peace. So I grew up actually in a... Uh, in a kind of evangelical, you know, very fundamentalist uh, background, just like um, Brother MacArthur did here. But when I got to college, um, Evergreen State College um, in Oregon, um, I took a class um, uh, on evolutionary biology. Um, I took a class on uh, biblical uh, scholarship and uh the historical critical method and <laughs> i gotta be honest i just i just realized i just couldn't 
I, I, let me say it this way. I couldn't continue to hold my faith in the same way. All right. You better watch yourself, Josiah. All right. So let me give it a, an example. So six days, literal creation. The accounts are clearly different. The first and second chapter. My college professor at Evergreen told me that the earth is millions, billions, maybe even trillions of years old, and that we all emerged from slime and were just the distant cousins of uh, monkeys. Heresy! And so that was the first uh, period of, of questioning in my life. And I came to realize that, again, I couldn't hold my faith in the same way. I also uh, took that class on historical biblical scholarship. I realized that Moses couldn't have been the author of the Torah. I realized that it was compiled over time with many authors Many sources, J, D, P, E, Q, F, G, Z, and of course, my favorite source, Q, F, R, T, squared. Uh, Josiah, I really appreciate you diving into all this, but aren't we just doing introductions? I'm getting there, all right. Just, I need some space to get across the narrative, all right? Uh, all right, all right, fine. Suffer the scripture, brother. Bertha, hold me back. Hold me back, Bertha. So I came to realize that everything I had been taught was really just about fear. Okay? The idea of hell, fear. The idea that the Bible is inspired, fear, control. The idea that there's anything, uh, that the history even matters. Oppression, exclusion, denying of rights, okay? And so I started reading, you know, um, some alternative perspectives, okay? So this is not unchristian, it's just alternative, okay? I started reading authors like, uh, like Richard Rohr. I started reading authors like, like Rob Bell, okay? And they helped me to see that really... The gospel that Jesus was preaching wasn't about heaven. It wasn't about hell. It wasn't about salvation after death. That it was about God's shalom breaking into the here and now. Okay, It was about the kingdom of God. And I came to realize that what the kingdom of God means in the here and now are things like Universal health care, okay? Lifting up voices that haven't been lifted up before, okay? And that this whole thing about the resurrection, you know, people get, you know, their jimmies wrestled, oh, the resurrection has to be a bodily resurrection. But I came to realize that the true power of the resurrection, okay, is in the message that when we fall, we can always get back up again, okay? We can rise from our graves, right? Our graves of oppression, our graves of marginalization, 
our graves of not having universal health care into the light of a new day. So that's, the, that's what the resurrection came to mean to me. Okay. Um, so I completed my um, degree in nothing and everything at uh, Evergreen State College. Um, and I started a blog called The Conversation. Okay. And so I've just been freelance blogging um, ever since, uh, being supported by my parents. And that's how I became the Josiah Sky that you know and love today. Wow, there was so much heresy in that five minutes of introduction. I don't even know what to do with myself. Now, I am so glad that I was invited on this podcast so I can tell all those millennials about false teachers, and I have a false teacher in front of me. As I live and breathe, my eyes are looking at a false teacher. Now, what were the two topics we wanted to get into, Ben? Uh, scripture is the first one. So, oh, I love yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, thanks, thanks, Ben. So, so let me let me just touch on that. So, uh, Mr. MacArthur, do you do you hold to a literal uh, six day creation? And if so, um, how can you do that in the light of uh, of of modern science? Don't you think that's a barrier to the gospel of love? And by love, I mean as it's been defined. Um, by sentimental utilitarian since the 1800s? Ben, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something plain. I read Scripture with fear and trembling. I read Scripture literally. And I believe that every single word in our Holy Bible, King James Version, is the breathed word of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, literally. Well, so, but, but what do you mean by, uh, by literal? So, I mean, so Jesus says, right, uh, I am the vine. Do you take that literally? If not, then how can you possibly take anything in the Old Testament literally, okay? What does literal even mean? No, I, no I'm, just, I'm not saying I have any solutions here, okay? I'm just, I'm deconstructing, I'm just asking questions. Don't worry, Ben, all the solutions are right here. I mean, Josiah. Yes, I believe everything's literal, including Jesus being the vine. Obviously, we know that he is a shapeshifter, and sometimes he's a human being, other times he shapeshifts into a vine. Now, his beard and mustache are still present on the vine, so you know it's Jesus. But yes, a literal vine. And I'm a literal leaf at times, okay? Sometimes I'm the uh, suit patch and wear the uh, handsome evangelical preacher you see before you. Other times I'm a leaf growing from Jesus as the literal vine. Okay, now let's get back to your uh, creationism comment. Now, I have to give... I have to give credit to one of my good, dear, dear friends. I have him over for dinner for peas and carrots and mashed potatoes. Sometimes we have some meatloaf made by the missus. His name's Ken Ham, and he's out of Kentucky. Actually, he's out of Australia, but he's out of Kentucky. Now he's out of Kentucky. This is one of the genius bedrock evangelical preachers and thinkers of our day. I visited his Ark Encounter in Kentucky, 
And I say it's better than Disney World and Universal Studios combined. And I've been to his creation museum. I've taken a picture straddling his Tyrannosaurus Rex in the lobby of that museum. And I will say that the Ark and the Flood is literal. And he's doing good work to bring that to the masses for all these heretics out there who are starting to explain away my Lord's scripture and my Lord's truth. Okay. So let me stop you right there, Mr. Uh, Brother MacArthur. So again, I'm just asking questions here. Okay. So how can you hold that view in the light of modern science? I mean, have you ever, uh, are you aware of modern biology? I, I mean, I'm not saying I have, you know, uh, I've never read a textbook in biology in my entire life. Um, I follow a lot of pages on Facebook. Um, I effing love science. Uh, I follow Bill Nye. Um, I like to watch little clips from Big Think with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Michio uh, Kaku. And they, those are those are the scientists, capital S, and they say that uh, evolution happened. Uh, then they say a lot of things I don't understand uh, about mutations and genetic drift, and uh, but uh, I mean it's, it's what science says. So so, so how can you uh, how, how can you deny that that happened when all these people in Big Think and and TED Talks and on the pages I follow say uh, no, it didn't. Yeah, I can appreciate science, but that there is liberal science. The only source I have for conservative biblical science is Ken Ham, who's been ordained by God, and that's it. I don't read any other books other than Ken Ham. I don't have any other sources other than his creationist museum. One source, the Bible, through the ordained Ken Ham, my boy. What else well, do you need? Well, uh... Uh, again, I'm asking this, you know, with grace and peace and shalom. Um, why don't you expand your your sources a bit? Why, why don't you just open your mind a little bit? So, for example, um, you know, I've heard of Ken Ham. You know, so I, I'm I'm aware of your side because I've heard of uh, the people I that I already agree with talk about the people you agree with. I haven't read them myself, but the people I agree with talk about the people that you agree with, and they say that I shouldn't agree with the people that you agree with, and this is coming straight from the mouths of the people that I already agree with. And so again, to me, I'm just I'm just having an open mind here. I'm just listening to um, the capital T, capital S science. Um, and again, I had this very influential professor at Evergreen State College and when I raised my hand and I said, oh, you know, could this, could the creation have happened? And he said, no, uh, modern science, capital M, capital S, uh, tells us that uh, no creation couldn't have happened. And then I realized that none of it matters and Jesus was just preaching peace. And then I uh, grew up my facial hair and um, I put on a new hat. I started playing at the local uh, coffee shop and uh, watching a lot of NUMA videos and uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this at this point but uh, you see what I mean you gotta open your mind uh, expand your sources uh, get behind the text behind the text you know you're just you're reading the surface of the text you got to get behind the text to the to the to the to the to the to the spiritual to the spiritual meaning have, have you have you have you heard of flow this is something Richard War talks about so the scripture is not okay 
it's not about the letter of the law. Okay, so this is what Paul says, right? But it's about the flow, me flowing into you, you flowing into me, um, confessing our sins to plants. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts? The only flow I have is the mashed potatoes flowing down my throat from the missus on Sunday evenings, okay? I don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm not going to expand my sources because expanding sources is straight from the evil one. I'm just going to have to interrupt you right there. And oh, say, my and, goodness. Can I even get a word in? Ben, and, can we referee say, this conversation? I, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just have to say one thing, okay? One word. Another heresy, I'm sure. Say it. Perichoresis. Look it up. Okay, continue. I don't even know what that means. Is that some sort of French or something? Anyway, I don't need to expand my sources. My sources consist of the one source, and that is King James Holy Bible. And the only the only community of people that can speak to that is my 32 congregation of my church in... Uh, what is, what's my county called in Alabama? It's, I can't even remember. I think it's something like, uh, uh, what is it? It's like, uh, Creek, uh, Cicada, Firefly County in the third province, Northwest Mississippi. And my church that's up on that hill, that shining hill in Mississippi, where I preach the gospel every Sunday, that group of four to three of us. We are the ones who are the only ones who are holding down the true source. And it's nothing to do with flow. It has everything to do with saving people from the burning flames of hell with their heresy of not taking the flood and the six, seven-day literal creation seriously. So uh, you better watch yourself, Josiah, or you are going to be burning. You're going to be burning like crazy. You see that little mustache and that little facial hair you try to grow? It's going to be on fire, I tell you. Unless you listen to me, and I'll tell you the real literal sinner's prayer, and then maybe you can come back to faith, and just maybe you can make it into the doors of heaven. Well, uh, Brother Mark MacArthur, I have to say that you know I'm hearing everything you say with such uh, which with such uh, s sympathy. Um, there's also a lot of thinly veiled condescension, but I'm I'm hearing it with a lot of sympathy because I used to be where you are. Okay. I used to, you know, when Jesus talked about hell and flames and everything, you know, I, hey I, read, boy, I, I had a night. I was preaching the gospel when you were just a twinkle in your daddy's eyes. So don't even talk to me, boy. Don't even talk to me. Well, how Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like little kids. So maybe, the, you know, you should listen to people that are younger than you. But, you know, I used to read the scripture, you know, the stuff about flames and judgment and in the naive, literal way that you do, you know. Um, but then I came to realize that Jesus isn't talking about literal flames. He's not talking about a literal judgment. Okay. When Jesus talks about hell, by the way, did you know that the word hell is not a Greek word? It's not a Greek concept. Okay. Jesus, when he, when it's translated hell, he's talking about the Valley of Hinnom. Okay. This was a burning pile of trash outside of the gates of Jerusalem. And so what Jesus was saying there is if you marginalize people, if you exclude, if you don't have them at table, if you don't give them your shalom, okay, then 
the way you'll feel is like burning trash. Okay? So Jesus isn't talking about some end-of-the-world judgment, okay? He's not talking about actual suffering, okay, in your body, okay? But he's talking about you bring the flames of regret, okay, upon yourself. How many times are you going to say okay? Okay. You bring the flames of regret upon yourself, upon your conscience, when you don't love. And again, by love, I mean accept, don't argue with, affirm, tolerate. Okay? Josiah, I love you. And the way I show my love is by telling you that you're going to go to hell and that you're wicked and that you are a piece of crap. Okay? That's the only way I can love you truly. All right? Is by telling you what you don't want to hear. That's how I love you. And that is what love means. Okay? Telling people that they're the scum of the earth, that they don't deserve to breathe unless they fall with fear and trembling at the angry God who's going to burn their little jibbies unless they come to repentance. That's what love is. That's scriptural love. I just, I just don't see it the same way. But again, you know, with a lot of thinly veiled condescension, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I used to be there. And I'm not trying to say, you know, I, like I'm, I'm glad that's, that's helpful to you. I'm glad that that, um, you know, gets you th- gets you through your day. Uh, that gives you peace. I'm not. I'm not. Stand, I'm not here trying to stand in judgment of anyone. Okay. I'm not here trying to throw your conscience into the valley of Hinnom. Okay. Okay. All right. I said I will send you to your knees by the time this conversation's over, and I still intend to do that. I have a ways to go, it looks like, but my sleeves are rolled up. My suit patch. Jacket is off, and my hairy belly is poking through the buttons of my shirt, and I'm ready to get sweaty. I'm ready to get sweaty now and start preaching the gospel. Ooh, don't make me preach. The Holy Ghost will come over me in a second, and I'll stop preaching. So help Satan, I'll stop preaching. All right. All right, just uh, let me interject right there. So this is what I see as... The, the thing that's fundamentally um, problematic, shall we say, with with your uh, interpretation of, of Christianity, okay? Because that's what it is, okay? Everything is interpretation. The author is dead, okay? There is no text. There is a text. Paradox, flow, interpretation, okay? Now, the fundamental thing that's problematic with your interpretation of Christianity is that it is imperial, Okay, and if there's one what thing, what does that mean? What's imperial mean? If there's know. one thing that Jesus was against, the fundamental core of Jesus's message was anti-empire. Okay, when Jesus said, "Render unto Caesar," that's what we call liberation theology. Okay, he's 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 sarcastically saying, "Render unto Caesar." But nothing is Caesar's. The empires of this world are falling. This is what Revelation is all about. Okay? It's about... Uh, 
I render to America what is America, okay? And America is my tried and true. I'll get emotional talking about America, Josiah. Don't even America get me is just a modern Roman land of the Empire. free and the home of the brave, Josiah. Don't even get me started. You can't mix the cross with empire, my friend. America is ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is the Holy Ghost is on the shoulders of Trump, okay? He is sitting on the shoulders of Trump, directing his every move, ordained by Jesus, okay? That's the America we live in, the American that's backed by God, okay? But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, all you, all you millennials out there listening to this, that if we don't change our ways, oh, the path we're going down is a dangerous path, I tell you. It's a dangerous path, and I'll tell you where it leads. It leads to destruction unless we turn our ways unless we repent america will literally explode like an atomic bomb off the face of the earth there won't be an atlantic and a pacific ocean there'll be one big ocean because there won't be an america in between i tell you and the antichrist is coming let me tell you guys out there the antichrist is coming he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing you better watch out you better not cry i'm telling you why the antichrist is gonna put a stamp in your forehead and you're not gonna be able to buy or sell goods and you're gonna die a horrible death okay See, b b brother macarthur i believe in antichrist as well okay antichrist is ex is excluding the immigrant antichrist is american empire antichrist is no right to health care the Antichrist is none of that. The Antichrist is flesh and blood in the form of Bernie Sanders, okay? And that's all I have to say about that. How, how do you interpret the, the parable of, of the Good Samaritan? How do I interpret? I interpret it literally. I take every single word of that parable, and it sinks into my American blood as a literal uh, conservative Mississippian. USA, English word, into my bosom. I shake it around in my bosom a little bit, and then it pops out how it came in. The same word. That's how literal I take it. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. So can't you see the parallel between leaving the uh, Samaritan beaten on the side of the road and refusing to have an open border policy in a modern nation state? Can't you see how those... There's a direct line between helping someone who's beat on the side of the road and having a particular immigration policy in a modern nation state? No, I don't see Let any line. In. Can't you see that? I don't see a line. I don't know what you're talking about. The line, the, the line the is good straight. Samaritan. Let me let me have a word in, brother. Let me have a word in. I, I, I'm sorry. I said brother. Enemy. Enemy. Enemy, Josiah. All right, let me have a word in real quick. The story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible was actually happened. It actually happened, okay, because it's in the Bible. We're talking about one person, okay? We're talking about one person. You're talking about a whole country full of immigrants. There you go. No line. Don't see it. One thing is talking about one person 2,000 years ago. The other one is a bunch of people who are trying to immigrate in the United States right now. Where's the line? Two different time periods, different numbers, different people. I have no idea what you're talking about, Josiah. Don't you think uh, immigrants are your brothers and sisters? No. You know why? Because they're not American. They don't have red, white, and blue blood flowing through their veins, okay? 
and the only ones that God loves are Southern, biblical-believing American citizens. All right, well, I think this part of the conversation has pretty much run its uh, course. So let's uh, change from uh, the scripture part of the conversation that went a little off the rails, and let's uh, focus on salvation. So uh, let's start with you, Paul. Um, if someone asks you, what is salvation? Um, what would you say? Oh, salvation is a beautiful thing, Ben, let me tell you. I'm an emotional guy. I get emotional over a lot of things. One of them is United States of America, and the other one's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you. So this is what salvation is, Ben, let me tell you. It's one of my favorite subjects. Salvation is saving oneself from the pissed off, out for blood, sword coming out of mouth, judgment of God upon this earth. Does God like you after salvation? No. Does he still want to throw you into the pits of hell? Yes. But because of the transactional work of Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, he now phalanxes our pathetic sinful cheeks and the God and God Almighty, the Father God, looks at us through the psychedelic lens of Jesus Christ's blood and sees cleanliness. Even though we're still dirty, don't get me wrong, we're still dirty, but he sees because Jesus Christ is pulling a fast one on him. <laughs> oh, yes, we're barely saved. I'll tell you what, even when we're in heaven, shoot, we still might be going down to hell. Oh, that's why you got to check yourself. You got to check yourself, I tell you. All you millennials out there, check yourself, okay? You better check that salvation every moment of every day because it will slip through your fingers so fast and you'll find yourself getting a freaking jibby demon poking a freaking poker straight up you know where in a heartbeat before you even know what happened to you. So anyway, back to salvation. Salvation is very conditional. It's not a one-time thing. You could, you could slip from it at any second. And pretty much all it is is Jesus Christ work on the cross, uh, covering us in his blood. So he's pulling a fast trick daddy on the father, God. And, uh, that's pretty much salvation, Ben. Uh, well, thanks for that. Thanks for offering us your understanding. Uh, and I'm sorry for getting so close to the mic. I'm just so passionate, Benny boy. Sorry. No problem. Uh, so let's uh, toss it over to Josiah again. So Josiah, if someone asked you, what is salvation? What would you say? Yeah, thanks, Ben. So, uh, well, the, let me first address what uh, what Brother MacArthur was just saying. That, my brother, is what I think of, and what is cosmic child abuse. Okay. So, what you're trying to say is that Jesus is punished for it, it, for other people. I have three words for you. Are you ready? Substitution atonement theory. I have no idea what that means, but I just know I've heard John Piper say it. So basically, you think God is this hateful, wrathful sky daddy who needed to vent his wrath in order to save people. And so he beat up and tortured and killed his own child to vent his wrath. Is, 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 
That's pretty much exactly what I'm saying, Josiah. Father God is pissed off as all hell. What don't you get? Well, again, I, I, I have to say I just have a different interpretation about that. Uh, what is... Uh, what Where's your the... interpretation come from, Josiah? That's what I want to know. Where... Did, what's your bedrock? Where does this t- interpretation come from? Is it willy-nilly or is it based in something? Well, I have three words for you, okay? Oh, to, snap. To counter your substitutionary atonement theory, I have God. La, 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 la. I don't hear you. I can't raise my voice because it's just, you know... A, a progressive hipster like i can't i can't raise my voice god is love there's a little scripture for you there's a little three words for you and how I does that you the definition of love and the definition of love is saving people from the right hook straight to the face from the father okay that's love how can how can that be love again? You thought Mike Tyson hit hard. Wait till you get the Father God right hooking you, and then maybe an uppercut to the chin. Woo! I don't want to experience that. I'm checking myself now. I'm checking myself now. Uh, I rededicate my life to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm good now. I'm I'm good. I thought I was slipping for a second. Go ahead. All right. So I'm just going to get back to the original question because clearly I'm not going to be able to convince you that you believe in cosmic child abuse. So when I hear the word salvation, I, I think of many things. Okay, I have a um, a poly a polymorphous uh, view of of what that means. So when I think of salvation, I think of defending the marginalized. Okay, I think of uh, open borders. I think of universal health care. Okay, I think of a world that's not this world, okay? A world without empire, okay? When I think of salvation, I think about God's shalom breaking in to the here and now in people's souls, okay? Uh, what shalom mean? Is that some sort of uh, like old heathenistic, like uh, hib- hibby-jibbit, like foreign language word or something like what does that even mean are we well, talking are we are we speaking in plain american right now or are we speaking in some sort of gibberish so the i i mean i, I don't hold this against you uh because you didn't have the, you know the education that i had but uh i have an education i'll show you my certificate in the bible-based biblical theology of bethel Trinitarian, Unitarian, Southern Baptist, Pine Cone University in Southern Mississippi, and that is the only degree that you need to worry about, mister, because it's the only university that really is biblically-based education. Everything else, all the universities are going to burn in hell. That's right, not just the people in the universities, the actual universities are going to be burning in hell. Well, okay, I'm I'm just going to leave that for now, okay? So shalom, uh, it has a holistic meaning. Okay, it's it's peace, but it's not just peace. It's a it's a flourishing. It's a holistic. What it's what a, is this peace that you speak of, Josiah? All I know is that Jesus Christ is coming back to wage war on the heathens. War, not peace. What is peace? That doesn't even make sense. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. 
anyway, so sh shalom is um, is a Hebrew word. Again, you know, because of my education, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I was able to learn that. Okay, it's a it's a Hebrew word. Okay, I watched a lot of Numa videos, and um, and someone told me that uh, it means peace. It means holistic flourishing. Okay, now this is this see this is what you don't realize. Okay, all of theology is an interpretation of the original languages. Okay, so the Old Testament wasn't written in modern English, okay? It wasn't written in the language of empire. It wasn't written in the language of colony. It was written in the language of an ancient Near Eastern marginalized people in Hebrew, okay? The New Testament was written in the language of the common people at the time, Koine Greek, okay? Now, now I'm not, now there are words, okay? There are words and I base my theology off those words in those original languages. Okay, so we have words like shalom. Okay, we have words like gehenna. Okay, we have words like uh, like suke. Okay, now I've never taken a Greek class in my life. Um, if you handed me a Greek Bible or a Hebrew Old Testament, I wouldn't be able to read it a lick. Okay, but I hear these words. Okay, I hear these words. I watch these. Uh, sermons online. Uh, I listen to professors and they tell me these words, okay? They're in the middle of expositing and they say, oh, do you know what that word is in the Greek, in the Hebrew? And I make a note of that. I say, ah, yes, 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 yes. That is the key, okay? The original language, the original word. Do you hear what I'm saying, brother? I don't know what you're talking about with Greek or Hebrew. Oh, I know, unless I'm mistaken, which I'm not, because I have the Holy Ghost inside of me, is that the Bible was written by a man named King James, okay? Now, King James wore a Burger King crown on his head, and he lived in, I like the, I don't know, the castle age, whenever there was castles, and he wrote with the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, looking over his shoulder, telling him if it was good or bad, the Holy Scriptures. And we now call it the King James Bible, okay? And I'll give you a quote from the King James. Heeth cometh to judgeth the earth, and the devileth will grabbeth your cheeketh, and throweth youeth intoeth theeth, boweleth oveth helleth. Ifeth, youeth, donteth, getteth, oneth, yoreth, handseth, kneeth, and andeth, repenteth, to the Lordeth, Jesuseth, Christeth, myeth, Lordeth, and Savioreth, ameneth. And I forget where that comes from. I think that's uh, somewhere in the New Testament. All right. So I think uh, this conversation has sufficiently gone off the rails again. Um, I'm not sure where to go from here. Uh, is there are there any other topics that uh, you all uh, want, wanted to discuss with each other? Well, so, so let's get. So you said before, Paul, that you think that uh, Brother Josiah Sky here is a heretic. Can you can you elaborate more on that? Uh, why is he a heretic? What is a heretic to you? A heretic, like I said earlier, is a wolf in sheep clothing. Don't let that nicely tapered beard of his. And those skinny jeans and that little 
haircut he has where it looks like it's really short on the side and the long fade and this big old like part to the side don't let that fooleth you okay why am i saying it still i can't get it out all oh, the scripture's just so in my blood i can't help but quoting king james it's in the blood okay so i gotta get it out okay i don't have to i don't have to talk like old king james 24 7 all right let's bring it back to american here so uh yeah you uh, you you're a, you're a heretic means that you're pretty much uh the werewolf from michael j fox teen wolf with a human being costume on. And uh, you will be exposed and you will be thrown into the fire of hell. By the way, choose your next words carefully, Josiah. My dear, dear, love of my life, Bertha, sitting over here off camera, is on the verge of fainting. And if you make her faint, oh, let's just say it's on like Donkey Kong. I don't even know what Donkey Kong is. My grandchildren told me there's something called Donkey Kong, but whatever it is, it's on like Donkey Kong. All right. So choose your next words carefully, Josiah. You know, I, I, I would uh, choose my words carefully, but you know, if there's one thing that Jesus taught me and it is only one thing is to speak truth to power. Okay. And that's what I'm going to do. So you talk about heresy. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but um, I mean, again, this is this is just scholarship. Again, you can watch a video on YouTube. You can read a Dan Brown novel. I don't know if you're aware, but the Emperor Constantine, okay, called this little thing. Did you say Con Emperor Constipator? <laughs> yeah, very, very funny, Brother MacArthur. Very funny. So, the Emperor Constantine. Forgive me, God, for I have sinned. I said constipated, a bad word. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Cover me with your bread before the Lord Father God strikes me down to Latin boat. Okay, good again. Whew. The Emperor Constantine called this little thing called the Council of Nicaea, okay? And everyone completely disagreed, okay? There, there was the Arians, there was the Nestorians, there was all these Gospels. There was the Gospel of Thomas, there was, there was the, the, uh, the Gospel of Judas, okay? There was the uh, many, many Gospels, okay? Many writings. And the Emperor Constantine told all the bishops to come, and he said, listen, this is how it's going to be. We're going to create Christianity right now, we're going to create the dogma and we're going to create the canon of scripture, okay? And that's how what you you call correct doctrine or dogma or orthodoxy got created, okay? Dogma, now listen, listen closely here, okay? Because I know you don't have the education I have. Dogma is a function of power. Dogma is a function of power empire right now i don't think jesus cared about dogma jesus didn't jesus didn't talk a lot about dogma i don't know if you realize that paul jesus talked a lot about love he talked a lot about shalom okay and he talked about a lot of other things that i'm going to have to insist on allegorizing and interpreting away okay bertha ah! my dear bertha Oh, we, we need a, there's a doctor in the house. Is there a doctor in the house? She just fainted from the heresy coming from Josiah's lips. Oh, come help me, Paul! Oh, CPR. Oh, I can't handle it! Save Bertha. Get her out of the room. Get her out of the room. It's okay, Bertha. I'll be with you in a second. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, balls of my heart. Bertha, it's okay. It's okay, Josiah. You better, you better be ashamed of yourself for, for scaring my my beloved like that. I'll be out there soon, once this podcast is over. Oh, Josiah, how dare you? Luckily, I have, I have man's blood in me, so I can handle this heresy. But some people can't. Well, so. Uh, uh... I mean, how, how can you deny the historical fact? Again, I've watched the Dan Brown movie. I've watched some clips uh, from Big Think. I've read some sentences by people that has have PhDs at the end of their names on blogs on the internet. And I had a professor once, okay? And it's just historical fact, okay? Dogma is a function of power, okay? Jesus doesn't like dogma. Jesus didn't talk about dogma. He talked about love. He talked about shalom. He talked about flow. Okay. So how? So so what you call heresy, I call uh, empire, arbitrary oppression. So I, I, wh wh where are you getting these definitions from? Okay. Heresy, dogma, orthodoxy. I'm hearing a lot of sources from your Josiah. YouTube, big think. Well, I don't even know what your others are, but I have one source for you, and that is the Holy Scriptures. Okay? No other source. The Holy Scriptures were created, uh, actually probably written by Emperor Constantine. Okay? No, it was by King James. All right, we already established that with his Burger King crown on his head. That was been established, Josiah. Now, don't be backpedaling on me here. We're moving forward. Um, well, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, this spoken word of God is the Holy Scriptures, but I have a little fun fact for you, Josiah. I bet you didn't know that there was another word of God, and it's the word of God that comes through us from song, and that's the Gaithers. The Gaithers are the word of God. Oh, sweet Jesus, when the Gaither brothers start singing. Oh, my Paul Driscoll MacArthur heart starts pounding, and I start sweating and getting teary-eyed, I tell you. And I start worshiping my Lord and Jesus I'm just, just going to have to in, uh, interject right here. Uh, so you talk about the word of God. I don't think you realize, and again, this is just, this is something that I know. This is fact. So have you ever heard of a little guy named Carl Barth? Okay. Now, Carl Barth, okay, very influential theologian. Now he pointed out what has always been the case, okay? The Bible's not the word of God. The Gaithers are not the word of God. Creation's not the word of God. Jesus Christ himself is the word of God. Okay. Now the scriptures are just a a fallible, okay, empire influenced fallen record, okay, of the true word of God, who is Jesus Christ. Okay. Now how is uh, that now, even now, possible? Now let me, now let me talk now, okay. Now I how believe, is that even possible? Now I follow the itinerant uh Palestinian preacher Jesus and his message of love, okay, self-sacrificial love. Now I follow that. Now I know that my only s good source for that 
is the very book that I'm saying has been hopelessly corrupted and created by Constantine. But listen, it's Western hegemony that insists that paradoxes can't be real, that contradictions have to be false. And I have just transcended, okay, what Richard Rohr has taught us is dual thinking, okay? Binary thinking. Now I will duel you right now. Now, you're never going to understand God if you think that you can't simultaneously say both P and not P, okay? You have to transcend that dual thinking, okay? Jesus both is God and he's not God, okay? While you're living in Satan dual... both is evil and he's not evil, okay? Hey, you have to transcend... Fine. Yes. While you're living in your dual non-dual world where you're doing the splits and your arms are spread eagle trying to hold two opposites together. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am dual thinking like the best of them. I am double dog dual thinking. And I'm going back to you telling me though, Jesus Christ, the word of God. I don't see Jesus Christ like a big letter W from Sesame Street with two cookie monster eyeballs walking around. He's a human being. Blasphemy. You know what, Ben? I don't think this conversation can go much further. I just we're not we're not getting anywhere. I'm gonna. I know he's gonna resist, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say a prayer over this heretic. I'll say a prayer. Will you accept my prayer, Josiah? No. With well, love, with grace and peace. No. Despite that, I pray for this man's soul. I pray that it will be. Actually, I pray that he's gonna be burned alive in hell. You know what? I just can't handle this. There's no hope for him. He's gonna be burning alive. I give up. At least I'm gonna be up there in heaven with the 32 other members of the congregation of Bethel Church in Southern Mississippi. We're gonna be the only ones in heaven. See, I believe heaven is something that we should and can have right now. Okay, if we just elect the right people and get the modern nation state to do the right things, that's what Christianity is about. It's not about empire. It's not about another world. Okay. It's not about what actually happened in history. Okay. It's about the flow. And I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Okay. That's all right. I got nothing else to say, Ben. I can't even be in the same room with this heretic. I got to go tend to my dear Bertha. Can you please wrap this up? Help me. David. Bertha, Bertha, I'll be there soon, my love. I'll be there soon. You just hold on tight. Darius is rushing my jimmies. I hope you're proud of yourself, Josiah. I hope you're proud of yourself. <clears throat> All right, so that was our recorded conversation um, with our dear friend uh, Paul Driscoll MacArthur and uh, Josiah Sky. So, so what are your thoughts on the conversation, Brett? You know, my thoughts are Pure chaos, first of all. Pure, unadulterated chaos of the conversation. Had no rhyme or reason to it. But uh, in all honesty, theologizers, <laughs> we appreciate you hanging with us. We appreciate you rolling with the humor. Obviously, Ben and I see those as the two extremes of Christianity. The extreme liberal, the extreme conservative. And we believe that we can meet in a very healthy and biblical meet middle middle place. But we just thought it would be fun to to do a, do a conversation between the ultra liberal and ultra conservative personality. I hope we didn't offend anybody out there. What do you think, Ben? 
you think we can actually find a, a healthy way forward through the the two polar opposites that we see so much in the church? Um, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. That was a real <laughs> that was a real conversation, and I'm I obviously agree with Josiah. So uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, yes, of course. I think you can definitely find. I think the the way in which we mocked both extremes is reflective. I think of our own journeys. I mean, I can speak for myself, right? So like I went through the like new Calvinist, you know, uh, really into, you know, Mark Driscoll and J.I. Packer and all that stuff phase. Um, I also, I've been through almost every phase. <laughs> I had a phase where I was really into, you know, the emerging church when that was the big thing. And, and uh, Rob Bell was really big and was this kind of postmodern take on Christianity. And so I understand those, uh, I understand the motivations behind those perspectives. I think both sides have, have sincere and, and uh, deep down like good motivations. Um, I just think they, they become, as Brett was saying, they become totally unbalanced. They become extreme. And I think the kind of more healthy middle way is more found when you can see the kind of bigger picture uh, tradition, historical tradition of Christianity, right? That is both very not <laughs> a modern progressive Christianity, but it, but it's also completely different from, uh, in, you know, in very important ways, from a provincial American evangelical fundamentalism is also just a, a historically idiosyncratic thing. Like if you read Augustine or, or Gregory of Nyssa or Thomas Aquinas, they would completely disagree both with uh, Paul Driscoll MacArthur and with uh, <laughs> Josiah Sky. Definitely. I, I think that's why it's so important. And a lot of, I, I feel like not enough. I think maybe this, this should be like a PSA of this episode is like, I don't feel like enough Christians, both in like the Protestant church and the Catholic church have a real solid understanding of the the perennial great tradition of the church itself of christianity itself over the past two thousand years and i think if you are familiar with kind of the broad scope of, of of thinkers that have come through over the years and years of of church history you will see i think really taking the big picture this this more healthy middle biblical but grounded in solid philosophy logic scripture everything that is just the probably the most healthy path forward but i think not enough people are familiar with this larger tradition they're more caught up in these kind of smaller sect traditions right. especially I in think, america you're right i think the problem with both of these extremes is they both um view themselves as just outside of any particular tradition any particular biased way of thinking um, when really both the modern evangelical fundamentalist and the hyper-progressive Christian, both of them are working with presuppositions that are characteristically uh, post-enlightenment modern presuppositions. They, they just take it right. In, they just take it in different directions. Directions. Mm -hmm. um, but in many ways, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They're the fundamentalism arose as a modern hyper-reaction to the Enlightenment and to the, uh, a more historical, historical critical take on the, on the Bible and archaeology and stuff. And it was this doubling down reaction. 
and thinking about the Bible and thinking about faith that actually became disconnected from the way that most of the Christian tradition um, would have thought about those things. And similarly, I think on the progressive side, they take for granted this, like everything that historical biblical or critical historical scholarship of the Bible says must be true. Um, They treat science and scientism like as the standard for knowledge and truth, but they never think about like, well, like, can that actually be defended? So neither side, I think, spends enough time actually getting into the depths of their own presuppositions and philosophy and worldview. Uh, yeah. And so I think that's, that's the problem with both. They don't, they don't interrogate their own presuppositions and see how idiosyncratic they really are and how contestable they actually are. And I think something that's good about the, you know, the big T tradition or historical tradition of Christianity is it's the product of the reflection, not of one particular generation, Yes, but it's the product of the, it's the, a broad consensus for many generations in many different contexts, thinking about uh, the Christian faith and looking to that great tradition helps us avoid what C.S. Lewis called um, chronological snobbery. That mm-hmm. whatever period you're living in is the, like the end of history or like the pinnacle of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That your generation doesn't have its own blind, sp- blind spots and unjustified presuppositions and um, biases. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I just hope that as we as we move forward and you know as the new generation you know continues to to get older and take over the reins in the church um that we can find a very healthy place to uh to 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 continue to push the faith in the right direction i think another thing that characterizes both sides is a lack of nuance oh yes is nuance that, nuance is like a lost art yeah. The, the, and they're both sides are created on these false dichotomies. So like the hyper, so like take the creation stuff, the modern evangelical fundamentalist thinks it's either a completely literal reading of Genesis, or you can't even have the gospel. You have to throw out a little readering of anything, right? There is no history. And then on the other side, they think they, they have this, they're working with the same dichotomy actually. So they say, yes, it's either completely literal, or you just kind of question everything and there's nothing historical. And so they end up going with this completely deconstructed side. Yes. And they think the history doesn't actually matter, that, you know, the bodily resurrection doesn't matter. And both sides just refuse to get into the the more nuanced Mm -hmm. view. But because the nuanced view is harder, the nuanced view, make you have to study more, you have to think more. Yes. Right. You can't just take for granted these it's, false dichotomies. It's not the. It's definitely not the path of the least resistance, and I think yeah. that's why a lot of people don't take that path. But it's. I think it's the healthiest uh, path that we can take. Yeah. That's going to lead us closest to the truth. Yeah. Cool. Well, we hope we didn't offend anybody with that. We were just having having a good a good laugh. <laughs> also, here here are two recommended readings. I think for the to take away from this episode is one is uh, you could probably find it online. So C.S. Lewis wrote a short introduction to um, the Church Father Athanasius uh, book on the Incarnation. That's where he talks about this idea of chronological snobbery and these sorts of things. Um, and then the other would be a, sh- a short book by G.K. Chesterton called Orthodoxy. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. 
I need to read the introduction to Athanasius by C.S. Lewis, but I've read Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton and loved it. So, yeah. yeah, cool. All right, theologizers, thanks again. We'll be coming to you soon with a, a couple uh, goodies uh, before the, the year's end. So um, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Shalom. Grace and peace. Keep the flow. Hey, this is Paul, and you're listening to the Theo Bros Podcast.